Welcome to Revelation Warning, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Robert Thibodeau as he interviews prophecy experts from around the world as we discuss current events in relation to Bible prophecy. All of this is to give the world a final Revelation Warning. Now, here is your host with this week's guest, Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Revelation Warning Podcast. We are so blessed that you're joining us here today. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to another session of Revelation Warning as we continue our discussion today with our great friend Scott Wright on the fourth age of the church. Now, if you missed prior episode you need to go back and catch up it was so intense so in-depth so long that we actually made a couple episodes out of it just so you could understand and remember the important information he's been sharing with us all right now we're going to pick it up i asked him a question uh, about the fourth church age and concerning the jezebel spirit and all that and he's talking about the ties to modern slavery can be found all the way back during this church age when uh, tribalism, feudalism, and things like that took place, and that actually laid the groundwork for what we call modern-day slavery that happened here in this country as well. But let's jump back into the interview, and I'm going to let him explain it all because it makes more sense when he does it because he's the expert. Amen? Here's Scott Wright. There was a lot of sexual immorality going on with high-ranking officials, royalty, and clergy during this time. And there would be a lot of backlash from that. There would be popes that would come in and try to clean it up, and then it would happen again. And it went back and forth, and it was ugly. So it also went on with royalty who was claiming Christ, but yet they would have multiple partners. Yeah. Having children with them, we know that that happened. This was not a pretty time. And think about this. Think about how a lot of women were probably being used by the enemy, the devil, oh. to try to get with these men and actually control them and how mm-hmm. they thought. Yeah. Like that's never happened before. And I'm being sarcastic <laughs> right. here, obviously. But this was going on and it was a huge thing. And guess what? Jesus predicted that it would be a huge thing. Yeah, amen. And it's not only immorality of that, it says to eat food sacrificed to idols. So imagine how they were royalty and clergy were gaining that food. Mm-hmm. You know, think of all the different ways that they could have been doing that. Think of feudalism. It really gets set in stone during this time. And I mean, feudalism was just a form of slavery. Yeah. It really was. Go read about it. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. Honestly, slavery in this country, the idealism of that came really from feudalism mm. in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the those peasants may not have had shackles and they may not have been called slaves, but they had no choice. Right. Exactly. That's slavery. That's yep. bondage. They either did what they were told or they either were killed or they starved to death. Mm-hmm. And that happened. That was going on a lot. So we can't, we, we have to, to me, a lot of the roots of the of modern slavery in the United States came from feudalism. Yeah. 
Amen. It really did. And so that was another ugly part of all of this. Mm. And then it's funny how in verse 22, behold, I will cast her onto a bed of sickness. Well, let me tell you what else happens during this time. All right. And of course we go back, we can go back and look at this food sacrifice to idols and they will suffer great. And by the way, they will suffer great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. You know what happens during this time? If you get into the 1300s, there's this great famine that lasts seven years. The heart of it will be about two years, but it won't be for seven years until Europe recovers from 1315 to 1317 is the heart of it. And then it'll be 1322 before they recover from this great famine. But then also in 1346, the Black Death. Yeah. And that'll go for seven years through 1353, and it will still linger even past that. That's just kind of the culminate, the heart of it in the, I guess the main part of it, best way to say it. But during that time, we have the bubonic plague, which is the black death that will lead to 75 to 200 million deaths in Eurasia and North Africa. That is some 45 to 60% of the population. And in some places, some locations, it was a higher percentage than that. That is devastating. Yeah. Predicted right here. I will cast her into a bed of sickness. That sounds like a bed of sickness to me. Amen. And and we're looking, just to use these terminology, we're looking forward to the same thing in the end times as well. Exactly. And I will tell you that this black death will help eventually lead to the breakdown of the power of the Roman church. Just like it will, uh, just like it'll erode it in the end times, it will this mass death of a third of humanity is going to lead to the basically the the loss of control of these individual governments forcing the hand of you know we need to consolidate things right now. Yep. And yep, amen. And they're gonna they're gonna be thinking about consolidating even spiritual practices. Think about that. Think of all the parts that'll be tied into that. So, you know, that's something to think about. And yes, so you, you sort of see this pattern that could, that's going to in a way play out later. Um, You'll get from 1378 to 1417, the Western schism. That's the papal schism is another sign of the breakdown of the power of the Roman church, French monarchy now influencing who the leaders were. The big, there is a, there is a time period though, that's coming up. In between 1437, really 1436 and 1439. And this is a big deal. And we're going to start getting the Renaissance during this time. Okay. So that's going to start happening. Then we're also going to get an invention that is going to change humanity forever. And that is the printing press. Yeah. In 1436, Johannes Gutenberg is working on this. But he gets it financed, and this is really the key in 1438. It is funded by Andres Drizden, which allows it to move forward. And eventually, in the 1450s, that's when the publications of the first Bibles come out and all of these other things that will come from that. Um, Matter of fact, the adventures of Marco Polo will be the most published or the most printed book other than the Bible during that time that will lead Christopher Columbus in his way of thinking to go East by selling West, which will eventually allow him to find what's now the modern day, basically Bahamas that will lead to the 
fl- the flooding out of these mm-hmm. Western European empires to go grab resources now in North and South America. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, uh, they weren't going over there for the spread of the gospel initially no. they were going over there to get the gold to bring it back home. Exactly. I mean, think about, you know, the dollar sign comes from Spanish silver that would have came when Spain was pulling out silver during this time period. Once they figured out what element it was missing and they put that together and they start, uh, coining it, that becomes really the first global unit of trade is Spanish silver. You know, and they start being plundered Mm -hmm. by pirates, you know, Britain sending out their pirates to do that. And, to try to take the Spanish gold because it becomes the universal currency, global currency. The now first you mentioned, one you mentioned the Renaissance. How did that impact the church? Well, it was a rebirth. It's really a rebirth of the spread of arts, culture, science, mathematics, technology, philosophy, literature, music, politics, and religion. And it, what it does is it brings a more independent level of thinking mm. And the printing press allows people to learn how to read mm-hmm. because now the church cannot control who's hearing uh, who, what they're being fed. Okay. By the clergy, they right. can read the Bible now for themselves. And they start realizing that there's things that they're not being told. They're only being told what the church wants them to know, what these clergy are. And a lot of times these clergy were being influenced by these local governors as to what they could say and not say. Mm -hmm. So they're being influenced. And now people can read the Bible for themselves. They can see what's being taught and what's not being taught and what should be being taught. That's a big deal. That that relates to what we're seeing today. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I mean, there's countries, Canada is one of them right now where you can't preach what's in the Bible without facing backlash. Uh, on certain subjects, I'll just leave it at that. And uh, I know I was invited to speak to a church up there, and and, uh, and he, uh, the pastor, told me, please don't say anything about gays and stuff like that because they'll shut us down. <laughs> you know? I mean, he was that's the just the rule of law up there right now. And uh, this was ten years ago, but, right? Yeah, you know, I mean that was you know, and then as you said, the 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 being able to read your own Bible instead of relying on them telling you what it says is huge. But one of the big, mm, can't say uh, one of the big concerns I have with the modern church that you see a lot, nobody takes their own Bibles to church anymore. They always put scriptures up on the screen so you can read it. Yes. How do you know it's right? You know, know, because you're just taking that person's point of view on it, you know, and and to me, that is one of the big complaints I got about the modern day church is they try and make it easy. You know, we'll tell you what it says. You don't have to worry about lugging your Bible to church, lugging your Bible to church. (laughs) Exactly. I think, come on. And, you know, when I don't get me going down that road, brother. That is one that, that just gets under my craw. Right? Sure. <laughs> that's, that's, that's huge. I, when I go to church, I still carry my Bible with me, you know, but uh, it may not be the same version they're reading up there, but that's okay. Yeah. I always have my Bible app open mm-hmm. and I'm reading different versions of my Bible apps yep. because I like to, I like to compare all the different versions of the Bible, uh-huh. the different, uh, you know, 
I like the BSB. I like the King James. I like the uh, net version. I like I like to read a lot of different versions. I encourage people to do that. I know Amen. some people yep. are married to a certain version. And I right. tell them not yeah. to be. Exactly. Read them all. Compare them, yep. and you'll yep. be able to see things, and and pray over it. Pray over what you're reading, and and let the Spirit talk to your heart, because exactly. that's how you learn the Word of God. That's actually Amen. things that I'm going to be teaching in my podcast is how to do that. Yeah. Amen. Right now I'm Amen. walking through and the, the Holy Spirit's led me to read Judges and the book of Numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> alongside the book of Revelation, chapter three, verses 14 through 22, and understand that process that I taught and how that all relates together. Amen. So I'm I'm doing that right now. I hadn't even spoke on it because I'm not finished with it. Right. And and that'll actually be a couple of months before I'm done with that. But that's the type of thing I'm talking about and kind of relating to what you're saying. We need to be doing this for ourselves. And yeah. We owe a debt of gratitude to Andres Drizden, who financed Joannis Gutenberg, and a debt of gratitude to Joannis Gutenberg for doing this. Mm -hmm. This he would have been considered a lot. heresy. Yeah, he suffered bad for that. Oh, my gosh. These guys were they were being persecuted in all kinds of ways for doing this. Yep. Here's something else. 1438 is a big year, and I, and I want to bring this up. It's a signature year in the fourth age of the church because not only is the Gutenberg printing press funded by Dritzen, but the council of Florence affirms the primacy of the Pope over general councils. And, and basically what it's doing is just, it's declaring this whole reunion between the Roman Orthodox churches. However, there was one problem with it. The Orthodox Orthodox churches did not accept this. They rejected this. So, so that kind of shows some of the degrading power also of the church. So you got the Renaissance. Now you got the printing press, which is really the, to me, the biggest entity that does this, but you also had the famine as well as the black death that kind of really made it happen. Okay. Because it, it breaks down the, the faith in the church because they couldn't solve these issues themselves. Okay. All right. And then so many people died because of these things. Well, guess what? Also in 1438, on July 7th, King Charles VII of France issues the pragmatic sanction of Bourgeau. And, and forgive me if I say that wrong. I'm not, I don't speak French very well. That shows the ability of the government's authority to supersede that of the Roman church. Now, eventually they would patch this up for a short period of time. However, if you go all the way down to 1517, when Martin Luther posts his 95 thesis, you know, this erosion had already been taking place. Yeah. And there were yeah. people already against the stuff that was going on in the church. He just said out loud and rightfully so. And, and we thank him for doing this because he was in a position of power where his voice would have really mattered when he posts that. To me, that is kind of like the start of the last little piece of the fourth age of the church. It's going to lead into the fifth age of the church. Some people say this is the trigger event. I say no, and I'll tell you why. And it is because Martin Luther didn't have power there. The Protestant Reformation is sort of just a, it's kind of like the warning sign. What the real power is that's going to flip this age of the church into the fifth age is the power of Great Britain. Great Britain is the most dominant modern nation in the modern era of history, I, is the way I would say it. 
of world history. They are the most dominant nation. And what if you look at Revelation chapter two, it's all about what's going on in Rome. It truly is. If you go and look at Revelation three, it's all starting and coming through Great Britain. Amen. Amen. It does. There's a shift. And I always find it ironic that back during this fourth stage of the church, when they added verses and numbers, because originally the Bible wasn't written like that. It didn't have verses and chapters and all this other stuff that was put in during this age. Okay. And a guy by the name of Rabbi Isaac Nathan adds verses to the Hebrew Bible, the old Testament. Okay. Well, if you go back up into the 1200s, British archbishop of Canterbury, Stephen Langston, Langton developed the modern divisions of the Bible. Later verses will be added. So that stuff will, will come on during this age. What so there's the some very important. Him, what was the reason for him uh, editing the Bible like that? Did he, because did he... it was to give, to give it easier to make reference. Okay. It, it added references. You know, the Bible wasn't written like that. It's just like one right. long scroll. Each letter was just a long letter. Yeah. Exactly. To Paul. The gospel was the same way, and, and the Old Testament was the same way. A lot of people think it was written like that. I'm like, mm, no, it was written on scrolls and papyrus and all this other stuff. And God wrote some of it on stone. <laughs> so, <laughs> Moses, the important stuff. <laughs> exactly. You know, hey, it was set in stone. That, that's that's right. literally what that that's comes where from. That came from. That's right. Exactly. So, but but these things were added to give reference, and so that's why they did it, and and for good reason. I mean, now we can use chapter verse and it's easier for us to, to do that. And now with age, the advent of computers, the way we can break things down because of that is insane. Mathematics controls the way we think. Yeah. We think in very mathematical ways now, very linear, very organized ways of thinking that may not have existed like they, they didn't think like we do. That's true. Okay, they didn't have the technology to think that way. They thought differently. Just like I talked to people about the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible. In in the Jewish customs, the first five books of the Bible actually have more importance and are hold to a higher esteem than the other books of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't think that way. We're like, oh, no, it's all. But originally, what you got to realize is the first five books of the Bible were actually directly spoken by God. Yeah, that's his that's his direct speaking, not that he doesn't speak directly in other ways and sometimes speak directly in those other books of the Bible. But all of it was directly from God. Yep. Every aspect there was there wasn't a human element to it other than Moses just recording what God was telling him to say. Yep. Amen. And to write. That's it. So, yeah, that's the difference. And so we have to remember that. And really, all the other books of both the Old and New Testament. They are centered around those first five books of the Bible. Yeah, Amen. You they know, you are. Mentioned, you mentioned about uh, the, you know, it's written one continuous scroll, and yes, you know, one letter is w- one letter. It wasn't broken up chapter and verse. No, and sometimes people lose track of that, and you know, and sometimes when I'm up preaching, and I'll I'll be preaching on a certain topic, and I'll tell them, you know, now skip. You know, where it says chapter two, just skip over that and just keep reading it like it was one continuous thing because it makes more sense. Yeah. And, and I was just studying this. You, it's funny you mentioned this guy. Just I was just studying this a few days back. 
in Hebrews chapter one and chapter two. You know, I'll just go Hebrews chapter one, verse, you know, 13. But to which of the angels did he ever say at any time, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who should be heirs of salvation? And that's where people stop. And then tomorrow they come back up and they pick up chapter two. It says, therefore, we ought to give more earnestly to things we've heard, lest any time we let them slip. But that word, therefore, you have to back up to see what it's there for. Right. And that's why I say it's just one continuous thought. And it makes so much more sense when we say, Are they not all ministering spirits set forth to minister to them who are heirs of salvation? Therefore, we should give more earnestly to things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. You know, it's one continuous thought, but when chapter and verse are brought into it, it breaks it up and it doesn't make as, it's not as powerful a statement. We'll put it like that, you know? Exactly. And, uh, so that's exactly what you're talking about. I, I, when you said that, it just made me think about, you know, I just read and that was the perfect example. So, exactly. I mean, you, you, and you hit the nail on the head and so there's some great things that come out and this is part of that. These are some really good things that come out of this age of the church. And, and Jesus did not totally condemn every aspect of this church. You know, he did, there were some pluses as well. You know, there's some pros and cons here, which is in every age of the church. If you read, if you really read it and study it, there's pros and cons. However, he, he puts his foot down on this church. He's like, enough is enough. I've given you plenty of time. If you read verse 21, even though I have given her time to repent of her immorality, she is unwilling. That shows that he gave this church plenty of time. Well, this church is going to last literally a thousand years, this age of the church. Well, what's going to happen is, is if you get deeper into this, the fall of Constantinople in 1453 is a, is to me is right on that same level of Martin Luther's 95 thesis mm. because it's going to create an amazing change while Constantinople is going to be taken over by the Muslims and the Byzantine empire is going to fall and be destroyed. Basically it's going to end it. It's going to lead to the age of exploration because it's going to cut off all the trade routes between East and West forcing yeah. guys like Christopher Columbus yeah. to go East, go West to go East. Yeah. That's what it does. It changes how they do things, which is going to lead to the discovery of the Americas. Yeah. Now Amen. I will tell you the Knights Templars were already coming over here, which also comes out mm-hmm. of the age of the church. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, were already coming over here. They have yeah. a lot of evidence to yeah. show that it's not just yeah. conspiracy. They just weren't publicizing it. Christopher Columbus makes it a public spectacle and now all the Western European empires have to fight for these resources because they're fighting each other. They don't want to get, they don't want to let another country get the upper hand on them. Yep. Amen. And that's Amen. exactly what happens here. That competition leads to all of this. And, and he so, brought up something that, that I just want to reemphasize that, you know, when the fall of Constantinople and all of the trade routes now, passed through those areas to get to the, you know, the China and India and all that good stuff. Yes. And now the Muslims were controlling it. You're either going to get pay high taxes or get robbed, you know, whatever you're yep. trying to trade. They were taking it. It was that forced the Kings and the Queens and the nobles and all that 
from the countries in Europe saying, how are we going to get all these things we need, you know, from India and stuff like that. And that's, that's where the, the kind of, well, you know, we can sail all the way around the horn of Africa and, you know, then you're dealing with pirates and all that good stuff over there, you know, and that's where, well, you know, one day Christopher Columbus just sitting there at the seashore and says, noticing the, as the ships come in first, you see the mass and then the sail and then the ship. And he's like, Hmm, this yep. isn't flat. This is round. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the horizon. What? Well, what's on the other side? <laughs> well, hey, queen, you know, give me some money and some ships and I'll go, I'll go to India that way. <laughs> and, and there were a few people during that time that knew the earth was round and not flat. Yeah. That already knew that yeah. this just made that public. Yeah. Amen. Is what it did. Um, I'm going to say this too. And, and I think this is a big deal because you said what affects us in this modern era from the fourth age, the Ottoman empire will be established with the fall of Constantinople. Okay. That's yeah. They're going to, they're going to overtake the Byzantine empire and they're going to destroy the Byzantines and run them out of Constantinople and Ottoman empire is going to establish itself. Well, the Ottoman empire is going to last. And this is so important. It's going to last until the end of world war one, what they held, what they will hold from this time period up until the end of world war one is Jerusalem. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a document, in, and we'll talk about this when we get to the seventh age of the church. In 1917, the Balfour Declaration Balfour, yeah. in November of 1917 will establish the land for Israel. And in 1948, after all the persecution in Europe through right before and through World War II, a lot of Israelites will... They'll either, they'll either go to England, basically this is where they went, England, United States, and Israel, because that land was now being established. And when Harry S. Truman signs that document in 1948, May 1948, the clock starts ticking. Yeah, amen. And amen. there's a lot of Israelites that start flooding in there, and then there'll be a, I think it's in 1951, I can just scroll down on my timeline here that I have, but it, in 1950, there's the law of return um, that's released on July 5th. And that allows any Israel is Israeli Jewish person to come back to Israel automatically be declared a citizen. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's a Man, big that's deal. A big There's thing. no test. Yeah. They don't, that's right. if they're, if they're of Jewish descent, boom, they are yeah. automatically included into the land of Israel as a citizen automatic. And that happens in 1950 and they flood in there and then eventually completely populate that area. So, yeah. The biggest populations of people with Jew- the Jewish faith are the United States, Great Britain, and Israel. Yeah, amen. I mean, they that are, is. and that's where they're most protected. And one thing that you know, I, I through you know, I, I like, I love history as well. One thing I was reading, I can't remember where I was, I was reading it or why, but they said that uh, the Ottoman Empire, they were, you know, during World War One, and then again World War Two. Naturally, oil and things like that is very valuable. Yep. And uh, the they decided, well, we'll go ahead and get this oil that's down in the Middle East back up to Germany. So yep. they were going to build these pipelines. Well, yep. 
They went down and made a deal with the Ottoman Empire. You provide labor and we'll pay you money. Yep. And they're like, oh, you want to buy oil? <laughs> you know? It's like, sure, we'll sell you oil. And uh, that's so when Germany lost the war, since the Ottoman Empire had side saddled up with, you know, Germany, then they were also considered, you know, you're part of the spoils of war. And that's what broke them up. And uh, and then Great Britain came in and and you know took over the area and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, you know what that, allowed all that to happen? God. <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> Amen. But there's a guy by the name of John D. Rockefeller, Standard mm. Oil. Yeah. Now, I always t- I have to talk about this. I don't think people understand how powerful Standard Oil was. Matter of fact, the only other guy, I actually think that J.P. Morgan and John D. Rockefeller are as powerful and influential of figures in the United States as George Washington. I know a lot of people don't understand that because those were political leaders and these guys were businessmen. John Standard Oil controlled like 90% of the world's oil supply in the refineries mm-hmm. until it was broken up in 19, I think it was 1912. It was broken up right before world war one. Well, what you just said, talking about the Ottomans and the Germans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's because standard oil was broken up. Yeah. That could Amen. be done now. Yep. Rockefeller and standard oil. were not controlling this anymore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and that's what allowed it. But notice the time frames, though. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Standard Oil was so large, it was broken up into 34 companies. Yep. And John D. Rockefeller just took stock in all of them and, like, doubled his net worth overnight. Right. Amen. (laughs) It was was crazy, but it it was so large. But that is so significant. And J.P. Morgan, I mean, think of the significance of what he did. He's what made help make electricity and and lighting Mm -hmm. become so mainstream because he had the power to make it work. He, you, he, you know, he bought off and used a lot of people to do it. Sure. And he, he manipulated that to make it to his advantage. And of course he forms a company general electric out of Edison electric because he holds the majority of shares of that company at that time. And he, he manipulates Westinghouse and Tesla and <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. and, and Edison, I mean, he did what had to be done to get it to go yeah. and it went mainstream and it not only hit the United States, but then all Europe and, yeah. you know, all, and Great Britain and then Europe and all that. So you can Amen. go study that for Amen. yourself, Praise but this God. is a big deal Yeah, it is because it really it's going to lead to the modern era of warfare as well, including World War One and World War II that will yep. establish the Jewish nation. Amen. That will Amen. retake Jerusalem in 1967. These technologies yep. will affect that. Well, guess what? If we dial it all the way back to 1453 with the Ottomans taking it over, it starts this competition of the age of exploration mm-hmm. that will eventually culminate in World War One and World War II. Yep. That will culminate in, in Jerusalem becoming, or Israel becoming a nation and Jerusalem becoming under Israeli control again. 
Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. Once again, we are all out of time for today's portion of this great interview with Scott Wright. I told you, we're going in depth on this fourth church age. He he is laying it out there. And we got to come back with another episode to conclude this discussion on the fourth church age. Amen. Praise God. I love a good Bible study, don't you? Well, Drop down the show notes, get in touch with Scott, order his book, God Center Concept Journal. You'll be blessed by it, but be sure to come back for the very next episode as we conclude our discussion with Scott Wright on the fourth church age. Till then, it's Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. You have been listening to Revelation Warning with Pastor Robert Thibodeau and his guest expert on Bible prophecy as it relates to current events. This podcast is not designed to invoke fear, but concern. Help us to make everyone aware that the soon return of Jesus is close at hand by clicking the like, subscribe, and then share buttons below. Share this episode with your loved ones, friends, and coworkers. For more information on our ministry, please visit podcasterforchrist.com. And be sure to come back next week for another episode of Revelation Warning.